Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed episode number 245, All Praise the Great One. All Praise the Great One. I'm the two-leg known as Keith. I'm the two-leg known as Sean. I'm the two-leg known as Glenn. How are you guys? I'm sad. I only have two legs. <laughs> it's not eights. What are you going to do? Glad I only have two legs. <laughs> Sean would stand up and stomp on me if I had eight. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would I would climb up on top of a chair and shriek and make Keith step on you. <laughs> That's what we did when we lived together. It worked out quite well. Yeah, I'm not afraid of spiders, so it works. Have you guys seen the new trailer? No. Really? Have you really not watched it? I really have not yet? watched it. I don't no. want to know. Well, you're avoiding, avoiding it because you don't want to know. Yeah, it's, know. it's 20 seconds long, it's 20. and then I don't think it gives it, anything It kind of gives you an idea of what to expect for the first episode. Yeah. It very much focuses it, on the first episode. It seems only. to verify something that uh, Stephen Capaldi, Stephen, Peter Capaldi said about an event that oh. kicks off the season. That's really all it well, kind of And it kind of, if you've seen the official synopses for the first episode... It nope. kind of lends to that. Don't want to know. The, the, the synopsis says barely anything as it is. So I'm an official. No, it's not much more than what for the, the next trailer two weeks. You, so. It's like Doctor Who's coming in two weeks. I'm good. That's <laughs> all I need. Well, since there's not much to say about that, since Sean didn't see it, oh, you guys can talk about it all you want. I'll go in the other no, room. No, we'll play with Cody. We said everything we it's said. Pretty about quick. It. It's uh, Twenty seconds long, and it's. It, doesn't give anything away, but honest, it kind of hints to something we're going to see. Honestly, there were some things that I expected were later in the season and did not expect it in the... Uh, yeah, after having seen the two trailers preceding this. Yes, there's stuff yeah. in this that I thought, oh, that was going to be spread out. Yeah, no, this is like, all oh, in this episode. All right here. Especially uh, certain creatures. Yes, yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Another big thing that could be spoilers, but if you've been on the internet at all, you've been spoiled... River Song is coming back for Christmas. Yay! Except. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about it either. Everybody I've seen is going, yay, 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 yay. And I'm going, hmm. I I look forward to seeing their chemistry, but I'm sorry, River's 11s. It's just the two of them together. See, it's not even so much that for me. It's more of a, I really feel like we've done with Well, and I feel stories. like we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Here's why I'm worried. <laughs> because we've done River's story, and it's over. And in the article that was posted, Stephen Moffat said, you know, yeah, well, her, her story's over and done with. How can she come back? Well, as always, this is Doctor Who, and we find a way, blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but something in the phrasing made me go, oh, God. Do you remember... When we talked about last Christmas, and we said, I hope to holy hell that season nine is <laughs> not all dream, dream crabs <laughs> induced. Oh. And if River Song is coming back at Christmas, it's entirely possible. So here's the direct quote. Another Christmas, another special Doctor Who, and what could be more special than the return of Alex Kingston as Professor Riversong? The last time we saw, the Doctor saw her, she was a ghost. The first time he met her, she died. So how can he be seeing her again? As ever, with the most complicated relationship in the universe, it's a matter of time. Which? I hope not. <laughs> no, actually, it, the, the, that reassures me that maybe we're going to have a piece of Riversong timeline... Either, you know, between him meeting, or she meeting him in 
uh, help me, Let's Kill Hitler, and her demise in. Uh, oh, it'd have to be because Science of Science Library. Yeah, so I, I, that's why <laughs> it I, has to be in that time frame. Well, but what I'm saying, <laughs> yes, obviously. But what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is that well, when he meets her there and and, and and she leaves him there, I'm hoping it's in her timeline somewhere and oh. not a so, post in the computer like it was. Okay, with okay, the yeah, I see what doctor, you're saying. Yeah, where she was able to come out and reach out because yes, I hope it's actually her, not a projection. Dude. Unfortunately, because they go into the little dream state in order to. To communicate and contact each other, and that's the reason why it lends more to Sean's fears that because he's asleep, she can contact him. But anyway, we'll see. At, at first, my first gut reaction was, "Are they doing this because Clara's going to be gone?" That was my very first reaction. Of I've, I've seen nothing, no rumors, but my first thought was, is, "Are they introducing a one-off companion, bringing back a one-off companion because Clara's not going to be there?" Kind of when uh, Martha left and they brought in, Don. yeah. Well, Rose left and they brought in Donna. And then Martha came Martha on. left and then she, they brought in Donna. Well, no, Astrid was after. No, Martha left. Oh, and, and, the, and then they brought in... No. Donna. Oh, and for season four, not... So you mean the gap yeah, between... Yeah, wait a minute. So Astrid means... Oh, you're that, right. right. Astrid was the replacement there. It would have been... Who left? Rose, Rose left. Rose, Donna. Then Donna. But then Donna left. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. So when Rose left, left and then, then Donna. You're right. You're right. I was yeah. But But it's still the same idea. Astrid yeah. being the one-off companion right, for the special. Right, right. Yeah. So I, that's, that was my first instinct. And then I, I honestly didn't think about the Dream Crab stuff until now. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life. This is what I worry about and obsess over when I read spoilers, which is why I'm staying away from Star Wars. <laughs> I don't want to know. Oh, Kylo Ren looks so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Force Awakens, Act One, Scene One. Han falls out of the carbonite, wakes up, and goes, "Wow, that was weird." <laughs> I've been asleep longer than I thought. <laughs> The other, the other I, thing, wrong, yeah, River. I'm excited, and I agree with you. I think the, the chemistry between her and Capaldi is going to be phenomenal. I think it's just going to be great. But I hope it's done well. That's all I can come up with at this point. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm apprehensive, but excited. I think, I think my other problem is, and it's not even a problem, but it, Big Finish just three, two months ago announced that hey, we're getting, yeah. we're getting River Song. We can continue her story. We're going to do some stuff, you know. And then suddenly they'll say, oh, we're bringing River Song back to TV. And so it almost, it almost, in the back of my mind, almost cheapens what Big Finish is doing. Well, and it was... Because they're not done with their story, clearly. Well, and it's kind of weird with the Big Finish stuff, too, because they announced the unit stuff, and then later they announced, well, yeah, we're going to bring Kate back in Series 9. Because they're doing the exact same thing there, well, too. You're right. Maybe, maybe they're we letting the Big Kate Finish... the announcement, and then we got the Kate announcement back in yeah. Series Maybe they're letting Big Finish take the, the ball, so to speak, and... Then when the announcement is met with applause, they go, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, we're safe to do that. <laughs> and if Big Finish comes out with something and people go, mm-hmm, I'd like to bend, they're like, well, I'd we're like going to stay bend, away from that one. <laughs> I'd like to bend the ears of the guys over at Big Finish and oh, say, yeah. what do you think about what do you this? Think, yeah. Yeah, Truthfully, what do you think about this? Not, not a sound bite. <laughs> what do you really think about Off this? the record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the other thing about this which I didn't think of drab, uh, dream crabs, but I I did wonder since the connection with Clara never closed in name of the doctor. I wondered if there's going to be some of that lingering over too, if Clara is in a Christmas special. 
And that's how she's coming back. That was the other thought I had. Because that was the only way she could stay connected was Clara was still, Yeah, supposedly. She was still connected to Clara. I don't know. Time will we'll tell. We've yeah. still got four months, so we'll I was, see. I was kind of surprised that they started filming it already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, well see. They just finished series nine. We'll see yeah. how it plays out. Well, they treat those in, in the production block. They treat yeah. that as the 13th, 13th well, episode. Well, and, and they started a and little so bit budgeted. later, and they're airing a little bit yeah. later this so, time, And it's too, budgeted, so. so they had a Christmas episode to do, so they're yeah. doing it with. I just remember product. last year there was a bit more of a gap, but then there was a couple months production yeah, extra in front of it, too. So. That's true. Our last bit of news, BBC Worldwide is going to release <laughs> Underwater Menace. <laughs> speaking of doing away with something and bringing it back... <laughs> Underwater Menace is coming out on DVD. Uh, so far, there's only a UK release date for October 26th, and the BBC has no have have released no official details other than a pre-ordered release date. However, Annika Wills on her website yes has uh, do you have that in front of you? I do have it in front of me. Right so here. the details on that fully remastered episodes two and three, which are the two that exist. In the archives, two being recovered just a few years back. Commentary on episode two and three, a traditional commentary with actors Annika Wills, Fraser Hines, and Brian Hodgson, Catherine Howe, and Quentin Mann, moderated by Toby Hidoke. Fishy Tales, making of documentary, Tales of TV Center, part two, program subtitles, subtitle production notes. Then other extras are to be confirmed, we think is what TBC stands for. So, episodes one and four, <laughs> we, we don't know. We still don't know. It could be a slice of the pie episode, like like the Lost in Time stories, or they could be recons, they could have animated it. There's no official word from the BBC about it. That's the frustrating thing. Other than, hey, we're actually going to release it finally. Hopefully they're going to start saying when it gets closer yeah, to time. that's what I'm kind of suspecting. And I think the only reason anybody noticed was those who had pre-registered before, it popped back up for them. And that's how everyone got tipped off. Because BBC never sent out a press release or anything about this story. That's true. It's all been based off of one pre-order date set. I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. I think I know where this limb takes us. As well, a- we all know where this limb <laughs> takes us. The, the, the tree of, of the Omni rumor bears much fruit. Um, I think Moffat has done it to us again. In much the same way as we got a great intelligence reference in the season that was on TV when they found and then suddenly released Web of Fear. I think something in Underwater Menace may be coming back to haunt us in season nine. And that that's why all of a sudden it's back on the schedule. It would not surprise me at all if maybe Moffat is pushing BBC's hand here a little bit and found out that they had shelved it and then decided, all right, there. <laughs> now you have to release it because it's a tie-in. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I just... I the fact that they haven't said anything about one and four makes me really wonder why well, not. Well, and I, I, the thing is, I think that... I, I don't think that the, the missing episodes are there. And I don't think, from doing a lot of exhaustive research that Keith and I were doing before the show, I don't think it's been animated. Because yeah, I think Planet 55, I don't think they ever got the project off the ground. 
I think what they're going to do is if we get this, it won't be vanilla, fortunately, because it does have extras. Because but, they pre-produced and, it before they canceled it. Right. Uh, and that's what we know. That's why we know but what these extras I are. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get episode one and episode four is in recon format, like they did with Web of Fear. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we get Telesnap, uh, because we, they have audio. There, there is surviving audio for this. They'll either do that or they'll do a truncated, you know, uh, Marco Polo-ish type thing where they just kind of truncate one and or, and they did for um, Ice Warriors on the D- mm-hmm. on the VHS release. Yeah, and because since we have the other parts right. of it, we can go. So ahead they, and give they you this. might that, that I my prediction is one and four will be in, in, probably the most likely is Telesnaps as they did with uh, Web of Fear because no, uh, there wasn't a lot of complaints about that. People like that. Now the difference is there were five episodes that they were managed yeah. to have survive and only one missing still, so they were able to do that. So I think based on the success of Web of Fear, I think they're looking at it going, you know what, we'll just we'll do our own recon of this. We'll use Telescap, surviving audio, and we'll call it good. Well, and I bet part of why, as opposed to some of the other two-parters that they haven't released, because the one part was recently discovered and never and hasn't has been released. never been released on DVD. Yeah, and that's right. the only reason why we're starting to get this. I don't think it's going to be a, oh, well, if this works, we're going to do other right. recons. I don't think, I don't think we're going to get a that. precedent for no, anything. I don't think so. Well, it, it, Which it, is unfortunate because it would be better to have a DVD recon I would rather have nothing. a DVD recon than nothing as well. Yeah. I agree. It's they're, As we've discussed before, the recons aren't necessarily our favorite way to watch Doctor Who, but it's much more palpable in Web of Fear to have five complete episodes and one in the one middle. Recon, yeah. yeah. Or uh, uh, some of those Ice that Warriors are predominantly. That has five complete and one in the middle. Because it's uh, a six Ice Warriors had two, and they were right in the middle. Is yeah. it two? Two. Yeah, because yeah, they, they animated two. They, they didn't know. Yes, they animated two, and on in the, the DHS the release, right, they, okay. they, 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 they truncated, so truncated so those two together versus, very cleverly. I mean, I right, think we yeah, all no, no. said oh, yeah. it was really neat how they did it. That was one of the best recons I think that we had done. Recovered, you know, data uh, yeah. that they had. That they, but th- there's a difference between most of it being there, and here's the chunk that we don't have, but right. we're going to have a clever way to do it, and... We're going to open with a recon, yeah, and close with a recon. It's yeah. certainly a risk, and have it those really two. Really is. It's certainly a risk. I mean, if if this proves to be a success, it opens the possibility. But I don't think it definitely kicks open the door and says, "Yes, we're going to do yeah. more." Well, the other it problem that you run into a, is a chance. It's two and two. Yeah. So I think there's only one other story arc out there that's in the same boat, and it's a Hartnell one, if I remember correctly. That has two surviving episodes and two missing episodes that they could even attempt to pull this off. Everything else is going to be we have this one episode, yeah, and we'd have to do because everything else everything has been else. animated by this yeah. point. So right. the ones that are more like this. So you're, you, you've moved away from the oh we just plugged the hole to now we're actually having to build the dam <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. we don't have anything yeah. but that one piece. So I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see one way or the other. I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. I am extremely grateful it's back on the schedule, regardless of what format it comes in, even if it is just a recon. Yeah, absolutely. It's on the schedule. Fantastic. We're going to get underwater menace. Agreed. All right. Should we move on to feedback? No. We have our Doctor Who legacy tip of the week. Who Brannigan actually pointed us to this. Tip of the week for traveling the vortex. Listen to the latest Five-ish Fangirls podcast. So many tips about this ep- this <laughs> in this episode. Have either of you guys had a chance to listen? I have, I have not had a chance. I haven't either. I got so far behind this. And week. actually, at, at this point, as of recording, I think it's you have to go two back. 
because I think they released one yes, yesterday. Yes, I think one was released yesterday. So You're right. They did a whole episode based all around Doctor Who Legacy. Yeah. So be sure last you, week. Be so. sure you go you go find that. Do you know? Do you have the episode number? I'm trying to pull it up now. Okay. Um, and uh, so I'm going to be too behind on the fangirls. Sorry, ladies. Um, also, uh, I'll take this minute moment to mention that they did release their schedule for Star Wars with Friends. I think I put that on our yes. Facebook page. Be sure to go check out that schedule if you want to do Star Wars with Friends with us. I think it believe it starts later this month, and we are watching the original theatrical versions. But depending on what you've got, just watch along with whatever yeah, you got. Yeah. So, um, so I'm excited for that. It's episode number fifty nine. May the gems be ever in your favor. Yes. So that was actually a good tip for us because none of us have listened to it. Now we will. <laughs> yes. We'll go back and find all those tips. And that's your Doctor Who legacy tip of the week. All right, our first bit of feedback comes from doc, uh, Dr. Phil. Let's give it a listen. Hello, Vortexans. Hey, it's Dr. Phil, and um, happy birthday, Keith, and happy birthday. Thank you for the birthday wishes to me, too. Um, anyway, I'm just sending in kind of wah, wah feedback about Planet of the Spiders. Why? Well, because I had a whole musical segment at home, which probably isn't going to make it into the show, um, on Planet of the Spiders, because I didn't have a chance to edit it to send it in. But um, anyway, my main thing that makes me upset about Planet of the Spiders has more to do with Robot than Planet of the Spiders, is I think the closing scene of Planet of the Spiders is so good. No matter what you think of the story, good or ill... I think that last scene is very moving, and um, I wish more of it had been included at the beginning of Robot. I know it's really self-indulgent, but it's, um, you know, I know it's a beginning, but darn it, I wanted more of that part we ended. The thing I love about Series 11 is it kind of fills me in the same sense of hope that Series 18 did, in a way. The really cool, spiffy... um, title sequence, and I think in a way is better with Pertwee than with Baker. Ah, sacrilege, I know, but um, there's something that's kind of like the magic of what could have been with a continued Pertwee and Sarah, even though I love Series 12 and Series 18 are two of my favorites, but it's with a new title sequence <coughs> that makes me really excited about what the, what the possibilities are in the future with Doctor Who in multiple eras, but those are two moments in which I'm just my excitement was just through the roof. Um, Planet of the Spiders, um, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to, to say what's what works well and what doesn't in, in, in uh, Planet of the Spiders, although I do think Mike Yates gets a very good redemption in this story. I think Pertwee gives a good performance. I think the end is great. Um, it's probably a number of things we forgive because it's Pertwee's last story, just like I'm sure there are lots of things we can forgive when Legopolis is Baker's last story. We don't have to forgive anything when it comes to Caves of Androzani, except for that all the male characters die in that one. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but and well, now that you guys have not already talked about Androzani anyway, but um, just caught up with I think about two months worth of traveling the vortex. I just binge listened to two months worth, and so uh, um, sorry to have been behind, a bit wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. One thing you guys will appreciate because I've been taking over a um, workshop that's coming up in Chicago and. Um, in May of next year, Memorial Day weekend, is that um, it's a, we're going to do a survey of one genre of composition that you only find on Gambas, which is called the Anomine, from Taverner to Purcell. All the, the period pieces are going to be in chronological order by composer's birth year. 
all the contemporary settings are going to be backwards in in order of the birth year of the composer. So I went for a little river song on that one. No one will quite uh, get it outside of people like myself. But, you know, I've got a gamba recital coming up at my university on the 11th of September. Called it the Twilight Kingdom after a big Finnish audio. I don't think anyone's going to get that reference either. But um, anyway, just on those little bit of geeky and lots of love to the Vortex. and glad that, uh, Keith, that you and Sarah are okay after the car accident. Those can be very, very scary um, and very scary for a while afterwards. So anyway... Lots of lots of love to you guys as always, and um, keep up the great work. Okay, and I'm sorry I missed some of the evil in six. Ah, anyway, but more later. Thank you, Doctor Phil. Thanks, Doctor Phil. There's a little bit of uh, behind the scenes secrets we're going to divulge to you here. Doctor Phil actually sent this audio last week, thinking we were reviewing <laughs> Planet of the Spiders. So we decided to hold off and play it this week, and then this week Doctor Phil sent another piece of audio. So let's give that a listen. Hey, Dr. Phil again, finally timey-wimey in the right place. Um, responding to your last episode when you're listening to the Fifth Doctor Audios, The Council of Nicaea. Um, what's funny is I've, I've listened to all of the Fifth Doctor Perry Aramim stories, and they're not ones I tend to go back and revisit. It's probably because I'm not a fan of Doctor in audio. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, it's just probably my taste. So, But um, one of the things that connects that story to the more especially the historical event to the modern day is in catholic churches you still have the recitation in the mass of the nicene creed every week um it's 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 so central so even when you spend uh time at conservatory studying music history you spend like at least a month just on the mass because of course the earliest music tends to be church music because it's an institution that survived after Rome fell. So the mass, you know, the credo, the creed, so whenever you hear um, masses composed, they will have the parts of the mass called the ordinary that are consistent from week to week to week to week. And the credo is always, of course, said every week. So there you go, a little musical connection to your Doctor Who story of the past week. Um, also, because of that story, I highly recommend a podcast called 12 Byzantine Emperors. Now, that sounds really dry, but it isn't. The host, um, that's only about, I think, 18 or 19 podcasts, um, less than 15 minutes each, um, d- focusing on different rulers from before the split of the Western and Eastern Roman Empires. So before Constantine, all the way through the last emperor of Constantinople, who was also a Constantine. So, um, and it's, um, if anyone who likes to play drinking games, when they listen to podcasts, every time the host says coup de gras before someone conquers another, um, army, that's one to take a shot. And another, in another moment <laughs> to take, to take a shot is when, um, when someone says, when he says, um, and he was blinded to death. Cause it seems like it was a particular, um, um, execution or torture done by the Byzantines um, in their history. So anyway, a little bit of a gruesome note there. Sorry. But anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Planet of the Spiders. Um, I already said my comments and my other feedback, but uh, keep up the great work. Looking forward to Series 9. Um, I'm hoping, I'm not sure if I'll actually get to see um, the Series 8 finale in the theaters um, I, I teach really late on Tuesday nights and that seems like it's a Tuesday night so I have to see what the showing are but fingers crossed because I would love to see that in 3D so 
Anyway, take care, Thank guys. You, Dr. Phil. Thanks, Dr. Phil. Thank you, Dr. Phil. He talked about the Nicene Creed, and I forgot to bring that up last week when we were talking, <laughs> because that is yeah, still said today in the Catholic Church, and especially it's said every week in the, I think it's the Episcopalian or Evangelican Church, still mm. says it week to week. And I was familiar with it because even some of the dominations, denominations that splintered off from Catholicism in the Methodist Church, it was always in the back of our hymnal. And about twice a year, we always received the Nicene Creed. So, oh. yeah, that comes from that. Hmm. So it's not just the Catholics uh, that that still holds a place in a lot of uh, Christianity. And Episcopalians do that as well. Episcopalians, yeah. I think the other one. Of course, they're Shades of, shades of yeah, well, them and Lutheran—they're all kind of shades of, of Catholicism. They're the, probably the closest, yeah. least removed, especially Episcopalian. Um, so yeah, that still exists as well. So that comes from that. All right, and good to hear from you, Doctor Phil. Yes, thank you, and thanks for the review. And I'm going to actually check out the podcast you're <laughs> referring to, even though it sounds very dry from the title. It sounds very interesting <laughs> from his description of it. Our next bit of feedback comes from Chrissy. Chrissy writes, Don't drive and concentrate. Dear Vortex Boys, Phew! I finally had time to catch up with you guys. This summer's been super busy, and you all probably thought I fell off the face of the planet. Not that you necessarily need me to check in. You know how to run a quality podcast. Number one, so glad to hear that Keith and Sarah made it out of their accident relatively okay, and that Sarah's on the mend. Your experience has now caused me to look two or three times at intersections, if that's any consolation. Us too, Chrissy. Us true. Also, Cody is a real cutie. You especially. Me <laughs> especially. Uh, congrats on the addition to your family. That was mood whiplash, wasn't it? And thank you again, Chrissy. Uh, number two, I enjoyed hearing all of your Big Finish reviews, but for the most part, I want to say I really enjoyed Magistinal Purposes a lot more than you three seem to. But that's just a matter of different taste, I guess. I am, But I am glad... Someone finally mentioned that David Tennant played that Jamie. I kept waiting for one of you three to say something. I was nearly screaming at my iPhone listening to your discretion. Number three, reviews for Doctor's Comic. I've been reading these from week to week, and it's been a lot of fun. It's fairly standard multi-doctor story so far. A simple story, give the, doctor, give the different doctors and companions a chance to interact. There's an old-school villain, but this one has a timey-wimey twist. I do like how it's incorporated the different timelines. That is a possibility that rarely gets explored in Doctor Who. But, excuse me, now I'm just waiting to see how the War Doctor works into all of this. We really haven't seen him much. Then again, it wouldn't be a multi-doctor story if one of the doctors <laughs> who was supposed to be here barely had a cameo appear. <laughs> Planet of the Spiders. The day after we finished this story for Friday Night Who, I posted this video by one of Doctor Who fan pages on Facebook, and it made me laugh. Mostly because of the coincidence of having finished that story. It's Terrence Dix talking about the Doctor's speech about having greed for knowledge and how he felt about the Doctor admitting such a flaw. Basically, Terrence said the idea was rubbish to him and he didn't feel strongly enough about it to argue for its removal. So there's that. <laughs> Overall, it's a fant- this is a fantastic story. It trucks along very nicely and has an engaging and entertaining plotline. It's also fitting that nearly everyone from the Third Doctor's era makes an appearance or at least mentioned in some way, which is nice since it's his last outing. Honestly, I thought the Doctor had survived the blue, could have survived the Blue Crystals. He probably would have if John Pertwee had wanted to continue being the Doctor. Well, that's neither here nor there. 
I like that. While this feels like two stories spliced together, the two pieces f- quit, uh, fit quite seamlessly together. Sometimes, when this happens, the connections aren't very strong. But the connections between what's happening on Earth and what's going on in Metabilis are linked tightly together. I mentioned it on Friday Night Who, but it bears repeating. I believe this means that I've watched all of the available classic Who stories at least once. I didn't realize it until I looked up the list, but I've watched them all now. Planet of the Spiders was the last one I had left to see. So that's quite a milestone. I couldn't begin to describe them all in any great detail. Well, maybe the fifth Doctor's episodes. (laughs) But still, I feel like I should get a badge of fandom excellence or something. Winky face. That's it for this week. Hopefully I'll be back next week with more. Until next time, Chrissy. P.S. Shameless plug for the Star Wars of Friends Sweet Along that we, Five-ish Fangirls, are running in the lead-up to The Force Awakens. Starts on September 26th with The Phantom Menace. And we'll include a link to that also. It's on our Facebook already, but we will include it in the show notes. As well as the video she referenced. Thank you, Chrissy. Good to hear from you. And we will uh, have your, your, your fan badge of excellence out uh, in the mail to you shortly. A little gold star that says, I've seen every available episode. <laughs> Is it going to look like Adric's? It will look exactly like Adric's. Just <laughs> um, not crash. It will be gold foil. Uh, <laughs> we're on a budget. But uh, you will have to mail it back to us. Um, once Underwater Menace is released. <laughs> and then you can have it back afterwards, because you know, obviously you know you won't have seen that one. So. Up next in feedback is Holly. Hang on. Didn't she mean she'd only she'd seen all of... No, she meant everything? She initially everything. When, watched and, all of available classics. Okay, in, yeah. In the Twitter stream, she initially said this was her last Third Doctor story, and then she later corrected herself, saying it was the last survive, uh, of gotcha. those surviving. Of the surviving stuff. Which I think, uh, Chrissy, I don't, I don't mean to mock your accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination because it is quite the accomplishment when you consider 50 years of Doctor Who. <laughs> but also I haven't from, got there yet. From the standpoint that are you, I think you're I a relatively a, recent fan. Yeah. I mean, comparatively to like yeah. myself or Glenn, and I still haven't seen everything. I think I have now seen everything. That Not not with Planet of Spires because I had seen it before. But now that I think about it, with Curse of because, Fenric. well, I went back, yeah, with Curse, Curse of Fenric would have been was your my last one. last one of everything available that I hadn't seen, um, because I've actually now had to delve back into the recons, because when I read uh, The Miserable Git, uh, Neil's volume one of Wife in Space, <coughs> I had seen everything Hartnell, and I had seen everything, yeah, so I'm, I'm, that's, I'm actually in the same boat now. Curse of Fenric was my last of everything available to see, so... Well, then you get a gold star too. <laughs> Which I'll wear it for a week, then send then, it on. Then have to give it, well, you'll have to give it back when it's <laughs> in the water minister. Oh, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Holly, right? Yes, Holly. Holly writes Planet of the Spiders. Hey, guys, hope that everyone had a great holiday weekend. A little bit of housekeeping this month for the book of the Traveling the Vortex Book Club <clears throat> is The Shadow in the Glass, a sixth doctor and the brigadier story. Well, that just elevated it on my, <laughs> my, yeah. my list of things because I thought uh, I've been so far behind on the book club. I tried, st- I tried to start the Roundheads. I got two chapters into the silly thing and it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I put it down with every intention to go back to it and I didn't. And now this one's out and I thought, well, I'll just put this one on hold. But now that I find out that the Brigadier's in it, I, well, maybe I'll, maybe yeah. I'll pick it up. I, 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 I still have yet to, um, to post my review of. Um, the 
War Machines? <laughs> no, I still haven't read that one. Um, Engines of War. Engines of War. War Machines. TV <laughs> story. I still haven't read that one either. Um, what was the last one we we uh, the, the, the the Brig book? The Brig book. Oh, Forgotten, forgotten Son. I reviewed it here, but I haven't actually posted uh, my review on Goodreads. That's not part behind that. Can you attach an audio? <laughs> oh, that's not, that's a link, link coming. Link to the episode. <laughs> Listen to all my thoughts here. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, make sure to put that in the show notes as well with the link to the book club, which we hope that somebody is, <laughs> I'm sure though I mean, well, there are a lot of people in the book club, so yeah. get a chance to, to follow along with that. And it is uh, September. So shadow in the glass. And speaking of the Brigadarian unit, the planet of the spiders, man, what an episode. We get people possessed by telepathic spiders. We see Bessie, the Whomobile, some Venusian Aikido, and we also say goodbye to the third doctor. I really feel for Sarah Jane in this one. She gets possessed by one of the spiders, and not to mention the fact there's nothing she can do to save her doctor. I'm wondering if the great one that the spiders mentioned isn't that of the great intelligence. Just the whole imagery with the webs and thoughts being controlled. No robots this time, though. It's just a thought. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone else's thoughts on this story. Holly from Wisconsin. I think uh, Chrissy and somebody else on Friday night. Hey. Yeah. Dan. Dan had brought that up, that they that was their theory, that that was the great intelligence. It's interesting, too, even going back, because this, this this happened to be one of those episodes that I hadn't seen all of. I'd seen bits and pieces of it, because oh, there's spiders in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course uh, you avoided it. I avoided it. And, uh, fake, it didn't matter. <laughs> when they you s- have arachnophobia like Sean does, when they sit there matter. and they do, you know, that, I, okay, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's when they do that scuttle across the floor business. Even though their legs don't actually move. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> it's not to mention they're poorly chromakeyed into those shots, too. <laughs> no, that one was really good, that first one. Okay. The first one in the It looked like part. it was on a string, but it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't chromakey, and they just drug it across the All floor right, with it. We're going to review this, so it get looked to the point. just like that tumbleweed get to shot. The point. Get to the point. Um, <laughs> the tumbleweed. <laughs> I forgot about that. I don't remember what I was saying now. <laughs> About the great intelligence. Oh, yeah, that a lot of people um, brought that. And, and, and now having seen this, it's like, yeah, it I, I, yeah, I can buy this. I mean, you could retcon it in there. No, not me. It was a be hard to it do. Was, it was the great one. It was an alien. <laughs> it wasn't the great intelligence. It was actually I can see where they're coming from, but <laughs> I didn't. Even after they said it, I thought, no, it's. <laughs> The great one. It's, it's similar a, it's ideas. A, it's the leader of all the spiders. The great it's intelligence the could god. be possessing the spider. It's the spider god. <laughs> he, he did live in a pyramid-shaped mountain. Had that she, been brought she, she to it, in, if, had that been mountain. brought to the attention in uh, Forgotten Sun, I'd have gone retconned. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, it still might just because people never are know. speculating, man, I still can't buy that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it in feedback. The Planets of the Spiders. At a Tibetan retreat in the English countryside, a group of men are using ancient meditation rituals to tap into a mysterious alien power. They unwittingly create a bridgehead between Earth and Metabilis III, a planet where the two legs are oppressed by giant spiders. The creatures are desperate to recover the blue jewel that the doctor gave Joe Grant as a wedding gift. Now, the Doctor must risk everything to re- and return to Metabilis III to face the awesome power of the Great One, who plans to use the crystal to enslave all of humankind. Dun-dun-dun! This was a good one. I quite yeah. enjoyed this. Well, 
This is probably my, I don't know, fourth, fifth viewing of this one because I like it, but it's good. I may have one story left to go in the Third Doctor's run, but I think this one might be, for me, the most representative because there's so much in here that encompasses his run with the the unit stuff at the very beginning, the epic chase, then going to a whole nother planet, Sarah Jane getting kidnapped and hijacked, the doctor getting kidnapped and incapacitated and captured, and then just it all coming together at the end just it works so well for me. I think that was probably the intent, knowing that this was Pertwee's last story, is they said, okay, what can we put in here that really epitomizes everything that, that he does? From I mean, from getting Joe's name drop in there, I think it was kind of a sad thing that they didn't say anything about Liz Shaw. But, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like you said, the chase scene, the Who-Mobile, Bessie, everything being in there and just, just kind of throwing everything with the kitchen sink, but still having a pretty decent, coherent story. <laughs> yeah. More coherent than some of his other ones. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all relatively coherent, but this one, this one's solid. I think oh it's, yeah, it, this story is not without its problems, but overall, it's 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 a fun, enjoyable story, and the, the issues that it has are very far and few between. Yeah, despite the um, tonal change somewhat, that it, you know, because we're kind of stitching together two different stories, it's a solid one throughout, and being able to put those two different pieces together, I think, is done better than a lot of the. Uh, third doctor's era stuff well, i think what what happens is, is as you watch this one it i think where the first place it goes wrong but then it it fixes itself is the fact that it does feel like two different stories we've got all of this stuff that's happening on earth we've got this one spider that's trying to overthrow the queen and she comes across and we've got all this stuff going on in the monastery and it's not a monastery it's a retreat, retreat. Or, or whatever uh tibetan retreat Meditation retreat, and um, so you've got all this stuff that's going Does anybody on. Anybody know was it the unit house? It did not look like the unit. House. I, didn't think it looked like the unit. I don't think it looked like not even from the few exteriors we see of it. I don't think. I it mean, was. not from the exterior. You mean the, the interiors? You mean the same house they use for it? Right. A unit. Yeah, no, <laughs> the I don't, interiors didn't look. I don't like even think the interiors are the same. Yeah. I'm just curious. I think that would have been a challenge had they tried to do that. They'd really had to rearrange the sets a bit because we had some stuff going on at unit. Now, granted, everything that was going on at unit was right there in the doctor's lab, but. Um, but anyway, I think it, it, you know, it has all that stuff going on on Earth, and then suddenly we take this turn and we add in this tribe of two legs, and we show up on Metabilius Three, and we've got all of this going on, and, and suddenly we've taken a different tone and different. Well, it's not even a different tone because I think the tone doesn't change. But we've got this whole different location and setting, and and a new part of the story, you know, halfway through this thing, and so you're kind of going, okay, what's going on here? And so they have to kind of tell that story and introduce us to these characters. But I think what it does well is it continues to loop back to what's going on at at the house on Earth at, with the spiders coming back over to start their invasion, taking over the, the other members of that little cult that was, you know, uh, trying to bring the manifestation in the first place. And then the whole storyline with, with Tommy, who's got now got the crystal, and he's starting to... I always want to say cure, but he's not really curing. But he's he's kind of normalizing. Yeah, he's 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 gone from being uh, having a a mental challenge or a mental difficulty to kind of normalizing, and then at one point, kind of having (laughs) a little bit of superhuman (laughs) endowed strength there against the against the spiders. 
I, I think this is one story where the six parts work to its advantage because you have episode one, which is set up. Mm-hmm. Episode six is resolution. Mm-hmm. And then you have two and three set at the monastery. Four and five set on Metabilis. And so it helps balance everything very well. The structuring just works. It does, and everything kind of falls into place eventually. And like I say, with the exception of that, what feels like a left turn at first, and then going, well, I, you know you're going to Metabilius 3 at some point. I mean, yeah. You just know he's got to go there, because that's where the other side of the action is happening. But it's just, it's such an abrupt turn there in the middle, and we've already, inter- and now we've suddenly introduced all these new characters. And so it's 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 one of those things that once, you, after you've seen the, the you know, the, the sum of the whole, it's like, okay, this this totally works and makes sense. But it's at that point when you're watching it that you're going, where are we going with this? You know. I wonder how much of it helps from the standpoint because this is my – I've seen parts of this one but never one all-inclusive sitting. Since we did this for Friday Night Who and broke it up into three parts and did the – or two parts um, and did you know the first three and then the second three. And that's where that you know division happens is he gets to Metabilis right at the end of part three. And then part four is set pretty much exclusively in the village of the two legs. I wonder how much that kind of helps gloss over that transition. Maybe you know. I think it does a little bit better since I'm sure you've watched this all in one sitting at one point oh, yeah, in time. Yeah, that, a know, few times. Yeah, is it a little more jarring when you're going from, you know, because it starts off. It's it's a pretty standard unit story, really. I mean, we're on Earth. We've got the brig. We've got unit. We've got this stuff going on, and then you know, Lupton shows up, who's an amazing villain. I love it. <laughs> I liked him too. He, he's he's just great because he's not the power mad megalomaniac. I mean, yes, he is. He is, he, but he, he's wanting more power. He's wanting this. He's not stereotypical. Exactly. He's, he's not the mustache twirling. Well, he's not a bond villain. Yeah, exactly. he's, he's not the master. He's just out here. He's he's a he's a he's a he's a guy. I mean, for all we know, he's a used car salesman. But he sees an opportunity, and through the spider's influence, is willing to take it. Okay, cool. Let's go with that. And then you get that awesome chasing, probably the best ever <laughs> committed <laughs> film in, in part two. Uh, where you've got all those, you know, things going on, and then you get into part three, and we're kind of still dealing with this things coming to Earth, you know, third Doctor template. But then we leave and go to Metabilis, which is kind of what the latter half of his run, you know, in, in, encapsulated. But then you're off world for the rest of it. So I wonder if that maybe is part of the is that more, is that more jarring? sitting down and watching it all at once versus how we did it, breaking it up. and It might be. And I think the reason that I, that's why I continue after, you know, I think, I think I've seen, I've seen this at least three times. And I think this week was my fourth viewing of this. And I've always sat down and watched it at once. And I think that's probably why that part sticks in my head every time that, well, we take this left turn. You know, even after four viewings, I haven't got, haven't got used to the fact that boom, suddenly now we're doing this and we're, we're, introduced to new characters and so it's always real obvious to me so i wonder if maybe you're right that doing it all in one setting because you've got this one coherent story going on that it's really noticeable but then yeah like you say breaking it up maybe that does kind of soften that because it didn't it did because yeah, i missed friday night who last week so <laughs> i even watched it near close together all near no one one setting but I, I broke it up but it was within the same day so because i watched it the morning before i went to work the first three parts so i could catch up and then watch the rest of them with you guys so that might be you might be onto something there on oh, so many of his other ones where they make it that left turn or the, the tonal shift aren't always halfway through they're the first either switches from two to four or four to two and it's that jarring where this 
where we've always talked like uh, Time Monster, we should have split up four and two instead of three and three. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't that way at all. No, and but I think what helps so that it, it's it's, a, it's an equilibrium, it's a balance. But I think what helps that is that you know we do continue to focus on what's going on back at the house, yeah. and and then it's when the Doctor and Sarah get back that we're introduced to the. Uh, Time Lord, and I can't remember the guy's name. Not Cho Chi, but the <laughs> well, the, the actual. They're, they're the same guy. <laughs> cl- cl- uh, starts with a K. Co- Low plan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find Keith's it. He's trying here. to find the name. Anyway, Campo. Campo. Yeah. So then we're introduced to Campo, and which is another weird thing because I I don't recall them ever saying that there was this. Guy there, I thought no, it was they, just. They, uh, uh, now I just forgot the other guy's name. Cho Choji Cho Choji Choji. Okay, Choji. I think it's Gi. Gi, yeah, Chogi. Chogi. That doesn't sound right either. Uh. Plo Koon. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, it, 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 you just kind of get the, you get the impression that he's kind of like the guy in charge, yeah. and then all of a sudden there's, you're, there's this other guy, which I think is random time lord. I does. think it's supposed to be kind of maybe a surprise reveal because we're then going to give you the even further surprise reveal that he's a time lord. But I wonder if that's a, a calculated effort so that they don't tip their hand too soon, or if that's something in the writing process that they said, "Hey, you know, this would be kind of cool." You know, so well, yeah. you tweet wasn't it you tweeting out that originally it was supposed to be a master story mm-hmm. before Delgado passed away? So I wonder if they just substituted a different time lord for what the script was going to have the master be. Like the master would have been the guy in the monastery waiting. No, for I, the I get the impression the master probably would have been um, Lytton. Lytton, or, yeah, character. Lupton. Lupton. Lipton. Lipton. He's a lot like Lipton. 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 Boy, we're just name <laughs> names galore tonight. Um, it's um, yeah, the the original. I don't know how much of it carried over, but the original concept piece was that this was to be the master's last story since Pertwee was being written out. Um, and, and you know, well, he was leaving, and so they were going to uh, do away with the master as well. And as the events of the story unfolded, at the end of it, the master would have sacrificed himself to save the doctor yeah. uh. and trigger the regeneration. Um, and then uh, when Roger Delgado passed, they, uh, um, Terrence Dix decided he really wasn't thrilled with doing that anyway. And so they go do something else and borrowed elements of the original script for this one, but it's not clear how much of it is actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somewhere in the annals of Doctor History there is probably a book that talks about that. But um, nothing in my research indicated exactly how much survived from the original story, but it's entirely possible that that was part of it. But it would have just been a draft script anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the time, the time Lord inclusion at the end interesting, but slightly head-scratching. It, it felt very left field. I know it was supposed to be a a big reveal, a big surprise, but I just didn't quite understand why he was there and what he was doing. Why was he helping these humans bring the spiders over? Like, I, I didn't understand his motivations at all. So that's a part of it that kind of fell flat a, a little bit for me. Although I did really appreciate the fact that he was there to show essentially a regeneration to Sarah Jane before the doctor did it and then was able to be the uh, audience surrogate and explain what was going to happen since... You know, the first time mentioning it and assorted history with who of who knows how many of the people watching it 
during Pertree's era would not have seen the first Doctor's regeneration or the transition into Pertwee. Well, that's another thing is uh, we, we, we saw one regeneration on screen already, but it had been years prior, and that would have been Hartnell into... And that uh, one we wound up losing. Right. Hartnell into um, Trout. Trout. But then with Trout's regeneration, he goes spinning off into you know the background in the end of the, the war mul- games. The multiple faces. Yeah, and, and then yeah. at the beginning, the following uh, season, stumbles out of the TARDIS as John Pertwee. So do you even see that regeneration? Yeah. So, um, this is the first time that regeneration is actually called regeneration in the series as well. And so it's a big moment. I think oh, that, yeah. that I think that this was and Terrence Jicks wrote this right. Is that what we determined? Um, no. Robert Sol- Sloman. Okay, so Robert Sloman, I think he felt it necessary for to have a device to kind of explain that process, and I think that's the that, yeah, that's, that's where that the comes whole down. reason why it was in there. The, the interesting thing is, and then I <laughs> I tweeted this out. It was a bit spoilerly, and and I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it really kind of brought my attention to something that we see later in Doctor Who that I think actually fixes a problem I had with a particular episode uh, that we're going to that we're going to see later so there was kind of an aha moment <laughs> when I watched it <laughs> which is funny cuz I've seen this several times and then to see it this time I just it just kind of clicked and I went oh wait a minute this is kind of the same concept of something that I have a problem with later with a regeneration so I imagine Probably a majority of our audience is going, aha, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're keeping that one under wraps for Keith's sake because we've not, we've not gotten to it I yet. saw the tweet to know what it was a reference to but didn't yeah. understand it. Yes. Yeah. As with many things. <laughs> we put it right out there and just kind of hoped that it went over his head. <laughs> I smiled and nodded and saw it fly over the I think when we, when we watch it, then I think you'll even maybe you – might, you might figure something out early, especially since I think you've seen clips of the regeneration. but. Not, not as much as you would think. Oh, okay. Speaking of clips, I had no idea the they regeneration <laughs> was as big a deal as it was. And how much they cut out, like yeah. Dr. Phil talked about. Because uh, I've, I've only, of the story that I had seen, I had not seen that part of it. I'd only seen it on the robot end, where it's heavily truncated. And um, so I, I didn't realize that was, I was all set. I had my, you know. I'm a computer, my tissues, I'm, I'm ready to go, and, <laughs> you know, a tear, Sarah Jane, and then this is going to happen, and then it didn't <laughs> for a long time, and I, it just, they just kind of threw off my groove, <laughs> but it's cool. I, I kind of wish that it yeah. had made it in there. Yeah. I think one of the things that I found interesting is, and, and, and I was chatting with somebody on Twitter on Friday night uh, who actually lives in the UK that I follow, and he follows me, and... I had made the comment about how I wonder how many people knew that John Pertwee was leaving the show and they were going to bring another doctor in. And I kind of wondered if, you know, at the, at the midpoint where the doctor's zapped and he's dying, I wonder how many people thought, oh, this is it. This is the end. And, I know, I sure did. <laughs> and you said you thought perhaps he was going to be like, comatose. Yeah, just like – Laying there in a bed for the next three episodes, and I was very, going to be very disappointed. <laughs> so I wonder how many people saw that and thought oh, the region for them, you know, not having seen it at all, first time viewing, first time aired, thought, 
oh, next week's the regeneration, you know, but but it actually ends up being two more weeks because I don't know if like you know now you almost they can't make a change on Doctor Who without it getting oh, getting yeah. out there. In fact, There's no way even, to do with they don't even try to they don't even try to hide some of those things. They already make the announcement, you know, uh, early on if somebody's coming up and rumor control and everything. But I wonder how much of that happened with like the Radio Times, you know, saying you know the Doctor they're changing. I don't think it would have been as much information, but you know, the Radio Times may have at one point said, you know, here's here's uh, here's what's happening." And so uh, when that happens, it's one of those things. I thought, "I wonder." And and one of the guys, the guy that I was chatting with in the UK, said, "As a 12 year old lad, yeah, I thought that was it, but he did not know ahead of time that there was going to be. He just thought that that yeah, this is bad." Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, the other thing I, I, I find interesting about this is, and, and, and one of the problems with it for me, is that at the end of this, when the third Doctor's in the chamber with the Great One, and the Great One puts the uh, Metabilius crystal, the last one, into place, and she's about to, to, you know, expand her mind and take over the galaxy, whatever grand plan she had to go, and then she overloads, and basically the mountain explodes, and he runs off, gets to the TARDIS. And then we cut to three weeks later. <laughs> and that's always been sort of weird to me because I don't understand what the point of having him in the TARDIS lost in the vortex for, well, it could have been a long time, but but three weeks to our perspective. At least on Earth's, or from Sarah Jane's perspective. And yeah. showing up. And why couldn't it have just been him coming straight back and I think it, for me the scene would have worked better if he would come. he had come straight back. And came out of the TARDIS as though nothing was wrong. And then, you know, as he's going over to his workbench to start on something or work on a project, he kind of does that little, like, falter. He falls down yeah. a little bit and he catches himself and Sarah comes over and you everything okay. And then throughout the progression of that scene, he continues to get worse and, and then finally falls down. I just think that would have worked better for me. It just seems unnecessary that he's lost in the vortex for three weeks and... You don't know how sick he is when from the beginning. If he gets he sick over the, that over the when course, he gets into the TARDIS. exactly, yeah. he goes running in there. Um, I think what it, what what it does. Well, the good thing it does is it gives now that uh, Big Finish is going back and, and doing the Doctor <laughs> stories. Now it gives them a little window because it doesn't necessarily say he was in the vortex for three weeks. That's true, but you know it's three weeks from Sarah Jane and, and the Briggs perspective. So, but I just said that seems weird that. That they structured it that way, and it doesn't seem like there's a reason for them to do it. I guess is my my issue with it. He went on a farewell tour. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said goodbye to I mean, all the previous companions. It's understandable and, when Ten does it in the end of time, but <laughs> not really. No, <laughs> no, no I, really, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love that montage. Yeah, I, I very, do too. Oh, but it really feels like it's Yeah, it's a calculated one too, because in the moment it's fantastic. But when you step away from it and look back at it, you're going. We didn't need this. <laughs> one of the high points of this story, I think, or one of the, one of the high marks for it, is the editing in it. Some of the editing surprised me thoroughly, including the stuff that didn't wind up in Robot. But also, going back an episode before that, we get this cliffhanger, and then we come back to the episode, and then they inserted all this other stuff before the actual cliffhanger. Oh yeah, the yeah. Of, they uh, yeah, yeah. From five to six on the recap, which is funny because all of the other recaps just recap. Yeah, which they're all long recaps, but they just recap the events that we as, saw in the last you episode. Expect. And I, I can't think of any other time in classic Who. I, I'm 
probably wrong, but I can't think of any other major time where there was that much filling in a gap of, oh, nope, we pulled the cliffhanger from ten minutes into the episode instead of... It seems like it happens that way in Dragonfire at one point. We see a little more than we got to see prior to, and I think it's the, the actual cliffhanger, oh. but... Um, there's somewhere in that in that story that they do the same thing, but uh, not to the extent that they extent. do it. This, this is yeah. the biggest extent I've seen. And then, and it seems strange too that the cliffhanger is not Sarah Jane with Spider. Yeah, that you think that would be the big that, reveal. That of, to me seems like I, a I brought you back here under this pretense because I have the spider on my back. That's a good cliffhanger. Yeah, but that's not it. It's the you know. Tommy facing off in the, yeah. in the hall, and it, it's it's and they I sort mean, of saved that surprise for for you too. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pleasant surprise, absolutely, because I didn't quite see it coming. So it's just even fr- though I knew because it's on the cover. I mean, I, I no yeah. offense to Tommy, who I loved as a character, I thought he's great, but he's extraneous personnel at this point in the story. I mean, yeah, he's going to do great things, and he's going to stop them from coming in, and, and he's had a great interrupt arc. this meeting, and he's had a great arc. But putting him in peril at the fifth cliffhanger of a six part serial. <laughs> he's, had, he's, he's had a great arc. He's reached his end. That's what's what I think. I disagree because here's the thing: we've continued to do even up to this point. We 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 if you knock out everything retroactively that we've seen after this, where she's in peril. How many times have they put Sarah Jane in peril at the cliffhanger? We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. I think well, what the, I think the what the writer the does here is he realizes I'm establishing this this character Tommy who. I, I really grew to like the guy. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I liked him from the get-go, but oh, I think yeah. you're a little sympathetic with him at first because of his condition. But as he grows and and, and becomes, you know, kind of normalizes as far as intelligence, things like that, and even, even I think, even more advanced in intelligence, you really kind of grow to like this guy. And so by the time that that is happening, I'm actually feeling bad or feeling for the guy. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm afraid for the guy at that point. So I think... Especially I think that's a calculated so move not point. to put Sarah Jane in the because it is it's the it's the go to it's the put the companion in peril idea as the cliffhanger, and I think the other thing that you have to think about is if you put the companion in peril, most of the time, especially we as viewers, pretty much know that the companion is going to be all right <laughs> or going to be saved the day. It's like but when you put Tommy, somebody that you've just introduced me to, and suddenly I've taken a liking to this character, put that person in peril, then I'm really wondering, oh, is he going to survive? You know, so I think that's actually a better way to do this. There's a truth to, to that, but unlike when the doctor's in the cliffhanger in peril, that I completely write off. Right. I know he's going to get out. Companions are a little more, honestly, because there's because, history of killing them. Yeah. The, well, I mean, they're the companion. Yeah. And yeah, I love them, and they're going to go on and do great things. And of course, I'm coming at this backwards because I know right. there's Sarah more stories with Sarah Jane. But seeing this for the first time. Especially and if they not knew knowing it was that. Be, if, if some people knew it was going to be Pertwee's last story, maybe it would be her last story too, but, and there'd be a. Complete but see, here's over. my here's my thing is that's almost how many times have you put Sarah Jane in? How many times do you put Doctor had that? How many times do you put a companion or Sarah Jane in peril, and then she's okay? All of them. Well, exactly. <laughs> so if you've done that several times already before, even though let's just say this is 1970, and you're seeing this for the first time, are you going to be more convinced that Sarah Jane has? Met her fate, or are you going to be more, more convinced with this new character has met their fate? Because it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If you keep putting Sarah Jane in peril, and then you keep rescuing her, that that kind of deadens the suspense of it. Because then you're thinking, okay, well, if the past is any indication, she's going to get out of this. 
Whereas if you put somebody in that you've developed and you've you've, you've already developed a, a relationship with this you know character, personal relationship with this character, and then they put them in peril, it seems to be a little more. Oh no, I didn't want him to die. You know. Whereas with Sarah Jane, I go, eh, she'll probably be okay. She's gotten out of these kind of things before. I just I think that I think it works better in this situation. I, I think you're looking at it more from a, a, a current TV series standpoint. I don't I don't disagree with your logic. I 100% yes, you're right. But one of the, we call it a trope, but one of the, I don't know, charms of Doctor Who is that this is how it's going to happen. And I'm right there waiting for it to happen, knowing that it's going to happen. And just as thrilled that it's going to happen yeah. in the way that it's going to, I don't know why, but that's part of, you know, See, and I, that's I, part I, of the way the show I, works. I, I, I completely appreciate them for getting away from that trope. Because that is a trope, and I appreciate them saying, "Hey, we're going to do something a little different this time." They don't do. They can. They, we did go back to that safety net of you know. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. This is how we. This is how we put the companion in peril, and then oh, ha, surprise, are okay. But um, and they just don't come off until the end of a story. It's true. <laughs> like the, the complete. Oh story, yeah, yeah. Not always, but not always, but sometimes. I would have. I would have liked a little more exposition on why Tommy was able to survive the Force Lightning. Uh, blast from the spider guys and you know yeah you're kind of left to deduce it on your own and figure out that okay it's because he was around the crystal and the crystal which improved his brain also apparently improved his body but they didn't give us any lines saying that other than it has different effects on different people yeah i think that's what it boils down to is the fact that it does have different effects on different people and i think that somehow tommy's time with the crystal established an immunity within him and I think that 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 on just on the surface, I think works for me. Yeah, I didn't have a problem. Yeah, with no, that. on 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 the surface, it's fine. But if if we're going to go to the extent of, well, let's put Tommy in peril, and 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 make you worry that this, it would have been nice if there had been some peril as opposed to, well, I'm a Superman now because the crystal can't harm me. Well, we, there, did, we but, didn't know but, that, but and we, and we, we didn't, didn't know that because the doctor had to keep reflecting it. Cuts away it, as it hits him the first time. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see the continual blasts and him resisting until, until we come the, yeah, back on the until next come one. Back from so, and and up until now, I'd seen a lot of people shot by force lightning <laughs> and died. <laughs> so at that point, I'm thinking, at the very well, least, rendered heavily unconscious. Yeah, uh, Tommy's gonna bite it now, you know. <laughs> Especially when there's four of them. There's four guys using yeah. it. Most yeah. of the time, it was only one. So, um, one of the things that, and I, I know we've always talked about how. You know, you just kind of accept the production of Doctor Who. But there were times that I looked at these spiders and I thought, hey, that's a really good effect. And then there was times I looked at these spiders and went, rubber monsters. <laughs> it's just, it's, this is one of those things that I think that a lot of people target this story because of, of the spiders being a bit goofy. But I think that because the story is so solid, because there's such – there's so much – Third Doctor goodness in this, and, and I mean by you know just kind of in, inhabiting all of the different styles of of the Third Doctor's era, um, it really comes off as that's such a minor point. You know, I didn't think even people that that watch Doctor Who that like classic Doctor recognize the same thing. You know, yeah. because they, they you kind of again put the rubbery monsters aside and say, you, hey, that's just the if, way it, it if it's a great was, story, so. you can usually overlook any right, right. production uh, missteps, which I mean. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. I didn't think I was. I, I kind of went in expecting. Oh, I don't know. 
because you had mentioned how it was kind of a guilty pleasure or you were, the production values weren't as great. I was pretty impressed. Um, there was no giant walls of foam or anything. So. <laughs> the Which doctor wasn't running away from bubbles. It's <laughs> very much in line with the production values and the special effects of, of Planet of Spiders. I mean, it was no... It was no giant rubber dinosaur from Doctor Who and the Salarians, but or, <laughs> or the invasion of the dinosaurs. Or, yeah, yeah. Invasion for, of for the third Doctor's era, this has pretty high production value, in yeah. my opinion. And I don't know, maybe it's the, the 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 trauma that I suffered as a, a child watching the giant spider invasion. Um, but they, yeah, they were they were still scary. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that, but okay. If you say well, so, just, when, when, when they were just kind of on their little dioceses talking and doing spider politic things, it was like, eh, you know, no big deal. And you know, they were okay. When they scuttled across the floor, and I'm not talking about the bad part, uh, where, not the, but the, the obvious coma cree, uh, you know, we put this effect in later. But there's that one, I don't know, was in the, when the first spider comes through, uh, that they, that they, and it appears, and it looks terrible. And then it moves, and it just kind of scuttles. And I don't know why, but the legs don't move right, and it's totally not convincing. Still creepy. Creepy. <laughs> just terrible. Well, it's, and it's 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 clearly a model that's being manipulated on a green screen back, background yeah, with color overlay. But it's it. I don't know. It's just <laughs> there were moments that I went. Yeah. Some, the, some, some of the green screen or <laughs> color overlay wasn't as good as some of, some, some of the times it looked like they had a, one of the spiders on a string, and that looked better than when it was overlaid. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. When it was when it's the, CSO, the overlay, it wasn't as good. Sometimes, because if even if the spider's legs weren't like articulating correctly, it at least was a, like a, a physical thing that you saw kind of moving. But it was when it was the the, the CSO effect, and, yeah. and it didn't, you know, because. Back in the day, you couldn't when you mapped out, you know, or keyed out a, a you object. Do the thin lines, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Every once in a while, you get a little circle. bit of overbleed and see some of the matting and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it was it was the CSO that was the probably the weakest part of the effects. Um, the other thing that I wanted to, the, the 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 other weakness of this, and I and I again, I, there's great things about this. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm nitpicking on things, but. At the, this goes back to the very beginning with the the professor that you know the doctor's investigating, <laughs> you know um, telekinesis and, and and telepathy, and he invites this doctor back. You know the Brig and him go to the show. And he invites this professor back, quote unquote professor, and uh, he decides to do the experiments because he has this, but he doesn't really want to, and he wants to find out why. And so we hook him up to this machine, and we have all this exhibition, and then he dies. And that's all in the course of the first episode. I mean, this is it's it's like, what was the point of bringing him in? Because I understand the idea of the crystal getting back because Joe sends the crystal and they open it up and he's holding as a heart attack because of the crystal. But it seemed kind of out of place that we just dragged this guy in here. We're responsible for his or the doctor's responsible for his death, and then it's almost that almost felt like they had to draw the story out a little bit. So. Or they needed, um, or they needed, you know, some sort of. It felt what it felt like was they needed something for the doctor and the brig to do while Sarah and Mike were yeah, yeah. Were, in, yeah. were they they were setting up the a plot while the doctor and the brig just had this small little b plot that had them palling around at a cabaret. <laughs> 
And then hooking a guy up to machines. And- yeah. The the, <laughs> the headphones by uh, – oh, what was it? Uh, Boss? Was it Boss? Boss. <laughs> <laughs> headphones by Boss. Because that was the exact same prop. <laughs> um, I love those moments. But I the- really when, – when you recognize something that's not supposed to be that prop – but you go, that's that prop. <laughs> I get giddy with excitement when those happen. I don't know why. Any show. But the good thing about that story, about that first episode, is the fact that Mike Yates actually, you know, through the whole story, Mike, I think it's a that, bit yeah, of a redemption. Yeah, that's the great thing about this invasion whole thing. Of the yeah. Because after we, we leave him at the invasion and you're like, well, I'm done with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a turncoat. You stabbed everybody in the back. Well, not literally, but figuratively. And you know you're you're ashamed to the to unit ding ding shame <laughs> and so yeah and so to to do this in such a way that you know Mike's there he's investigating this he realizes or thinks that he can't go to the doctor or the brig so he brings in Sarah Jane to basically be the mediator because I, and, I, and so I think that worked really well and and it, 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 Dr. Phil mentioned this as well but it gives him a, a bit of a redemption before finally going out I liked that oh, and no. then there's Benton Benton's Benton. <laughs> Awesome Ben's as always. <laughs> Doesn't get to do as much as he should have. Oh, I agree. So you talk about the doctor and the brig, you know, hanging out and electrocuting people like it's, you know. Well, this, <laughs> Tuesday night. Well, we're stretching the plot. No, you're right. It's this Tuesday night at unit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do today, brig? Well, same thing we do everything, doc. <laughs> Let's go to a cabaret, bring a guy back, give him a crystal and cause a heart attack. <laughs> I like to imagine that's... Part of why the doctor considers the brig his best friend, even though they butted heads during the third doctor's era. I bet they went and did the cabaret stuff quite more often than we think. <laughs> well, the brig sure enjoyed that second act with the uh, woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's funny? I wonder how much of that maybe, and it's it, it, it's a stretch. But when the doctor gets his quote unquote comeuppance at the end and says his you know thirst for knowledge is what, which was a great speech. I really enjoyed yeah. that part of it. But but that's his downfall. That's his greatest fear is that he's, you know, too greedy in that regard. I wonder maybe if it was meant to echo the – because he, he he didn't appear to be extrapolating any genuine information off this ESP. He was more of testing to see if it was real. Yeah. Well, and he, obviously he must know that there are – I believe there are races out in the universe that he's probably encountered at this point. Well, he's partially – have that, and he's telepathic yeah. to well, an extent. He even as right? he's explaining it to the professor, he he explains to him that it's a it's a latent um, power within everybody, within humans, and he kind of the way he conveys it, it makes it almost sound like he's trying to see why there's a latency in humans and, and why it's been activated, and in why them. it's been activated yeah. in this particular person, and I think for for the realization that hey you know i'm i'm here on earth so i might as well kind of do my best to understand humans and humanity and yeah. and, and, and so I, it it worked but i just i wonder if that speech was maybe meant to kind of bring that back in full circle and you know because Could, maybe, uh, maybe he feels i mean directly responsible for that guy's death oh i think he, he does because he, he says meddled, that in the second story he you, says, know, you know i'm responsible for his death if he hadn't so meddled the guy would be alive yeah. and and so you know now he's gotten to that point where it's like my quest for knowledge is what killed this poor guy right anything else on this story before we move on and it's a thoroughly enjoyable one. I think if 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 it seems like we're nitpicking it, I, I think it's all just because there's so much to like. 
the, so much good there. That, there's so much good there, and, and it almost makes the nitpicky things stand out a little bit more because everything else is so great, and then those, these little small things are kind of like ah. But I, I thoroughly, I think it's 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 one of my favorites, and despite the fact that it's a regeneration episode, because sometimes those are going to be a bit of a downer. Um, it's one of those ones though that I think I grow to like more and more each time. I think the first time that I saw it, I wasn't quite sure what I felt about it. By the second, third viewing, and then certainly by the fourth, I was like, Look, "This is this is elevated to one of my favorites." So. And the greatest chase ever, ever. Don't laugh. And Doctor Phil sent us some audio about the music in this episode, so make sure to stay around afterwards and hear what he has to say about it. Yeah. Shall we move on to the comic fourth? Issue of the, the four, four Doctors, Doctors Titan comic, which released this week, no, last week, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, yeah. on Wednesday, Wednesday. I'm Wednesday. sorry, Count comics for Wednesday. Yes, well, I get them Tuesday, but yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'm in the industry, so that doesn't count. It released Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so we get uh, really the info dump, yeah, of, of the much comic. That's what this issue is: a, the big info dump, and then then taking them off to. Try to escape the, but the, not really the evil ancient twelfth doctor uh, revealing his plan, and uh, the doctor's making glib about it, and uh, yet nothing happened, and they get captured, and Just tried to escape, and trying to escape, not very well, but they well, <laughs> yeah. I hang upside down. I really like I really like the idea that the tenth doctor Rick recognizes that he, they've been touching him, and there's been no Blinovich uh, limitation effect. Yeah, and I like the idea that the doctor, who I think really of all three of them, is really kind of the action doctor, is the one that causes the distraction, <laughs> and the eleventh doctor is the one that has to kind of keep them talking while <laughs> the eleventh doctor is doing his thing. Which, if anybody can talk, it's the eleventh doctor. <laughs> and it, while it doesn't really help the core characters any, it does allow Gabby and Alice to escape. And so I thought that was very cleverly done. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously get the info dump of why the Vord is doing this and why they've they've recruited Ancient Doctor, um, as you just talked about. Um, which, is a, which is nice. I, I, I like that idea of they don't want the Time Lords to come back. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of a recurring theme that that's what Trenzalore was all about. I mean, they wanted the, the Time Lords to stay locked away. And I liked that the fact that it wasn't because the Time War would restart or... They would be going to war with them. It was the fact that they got advanced because of everything, and they didn't want to lose that advancement. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was a really cool idea. And it was also nice to get a confirmation as to why nine is not in this. Yeah, yeah. You know that it's, yeah. uh, you three are the but ones that the were guy most like why the nose? Why didn't it say the guy with the ears? I don't that's know. The that's the, I yeah. Focused, I focused on. But uh, you know, the, uh, you you were the three that would have gone looking for Gallifrey. Right, exactly. So that, that was a nice. Uh, Nice bit there. And then we, we end on a terrible cliffhanger. Oh, man. I hope they can undo it. Well, that's the interesting thing is it, it kind of made me wonder about Titan's motives as far as the companions. Is this really, I mean, uh, to, to, to drop the ball here or drop the bomb here, it really in all appearances looks like Gabby dies. Alice. Alice, Alice dies. Alice. Yeah. Sorry. She's got blood on her face. Yeah. And- she's and, and But I like it. Was, it, was, it was a really neat Device and it was a really neat setup between the two as they were trying to figure out what would the doctor do, what do we need to do, well, this is what we have to do. How can and we save them? Alice comes up with the idea, you know, well, we've got to get to the TARDIS. If we get to the TARDIS, then we've got to convince the TARDIS to take us to where the doctors are. And then she says, but there's a chance that both of us won't make it, so I'm going to go first. And if I don't, 
And she tells Alice, you know, be sure you tell the doctor. What was it she told him her to tell the doctor? uh, Thanks for showing me. Yeah. And then uh, Gabby turns around and says, you know, pretty much the same thing. Okay, well, if I don't make it and you do, make sure the same. And so Alice takes off first and is warned several times by the room to stop, which I'm, I'm surprised they gave her even a chance. And then she since they were going to kill her anyway. And then they shoot her. And then yeah, you get that scene where she's laying there and she's got blood on her face and she looks dead. Yeah. And it's a wonderfully done artistic choice yes. Yes. to not show not us, show the blast. But, and even even when we show her lying there, just giving a kind of the face shot, I thought that was nicely done. But yeah. Gabby's reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and then Gabby, and then when she's running, oh, we, we just glossed over everything else, went right to the action. But then, as as Gabby runs, she says, "What would the doctor do?" And so she hesitates that moment because she thought, "Well, yeah, he would turn and try to <laughs> try to." Uh, uh, okay, I gave up. Give, yeah, give them the impression he was giving up, and then he would go, and then that's what she does. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, then she gets around that corner and realizes she wasn't able to pick up the. 10th Doctor's Sonic, because that was another thing I thought was cool, is that the the 10th Doctor was trying to get somebody to take the Sonic screwdriver. For some reason, we're not quite sure. But then she's got the comics. She managed to pick up the comics. And I kept thinking, why, what's the... Why are we still carrying the comics around? What What is this? I didn't even think there's something to it. I'm thinking, this is going to be silly. So she starts to open them, and I thought... Was she going to find some secret in the comic? Are we going to turn this into the girl who met Doctor Who and make this a really meta object? And she opens it up, and then her expression. Yeah. And then you hear the scream and the board run around, and they still don't show us. What a great cliffhanger for a story. Yeah. I was like, what is to go it? Into what's, the finale. What's in the bag what's of in comics? The box? <laughs> uh, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought this was this was on pace. Point of action from beginning to end. There was no downtime. There was very little exhibition. The only exhibition we get is the info dump about why the boards are, which was necessary and placed very, very well in this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And 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 this is the first time in all of the issues that we've read so far that I really felt there being there a, 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 a sufficient amount of peril. Yeah, what's going to happen now? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I thought I liked about this. Well, and they and stepped away most, with what you complained about last week of them barbing at each other. Exactly, and, and, and they didn't finish. Yeah. There was there was at one point that ten starts something, eleven did, but it was appropriately done because yeah. it was them co- coming up with the plan, conceiving of the plan. I love how the twelfth Doctor is uh, number one barbing with himself. <laughs> yeah, and just being real adamant about you know no you're you know, this is not what I would do and you completely took something in my life the the type of man that I was at that point and went with it and that's not the type of type of man that I turned out to be and I love the fact that they're that they're um, uh, focusing on the the fact that the the twelfth Doctor even in series eight had this shift of the type of person he was from the point where he asks, you know, Clara, am I a good man to the end where you, where he forget or near the end where he forgives Clara for what she was going to do and didn't end up doing because it was all part of a hallucination. He did. He changed over that course of the season. And this steps back and shows you the doctor we had at the beginning, the doctor you had. It shows that he did grow and change. He did grow and he did change. And he is a good man. I love that. And I love the fact that Clara when she starts to apologize for 
putting them in this situation. This is all my fault. And he says, oh, that's just like you to take credit for doing something wrong <laughs> when it's my fault. And I thought, you go, 12. <laughs> so that was awesome. So there was so much good in this story. Yeah. And like I say, most of these comics, I kind of I, I kind of have a feel for how long it takes me to read a comic. And the... First several issues, I could read it in about 20 minutes. I was done with this in 10 minutes. And I kept going, does this have left pages? No, it's because it clipped along and I was reading so fast going, what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? It was wonderful. I loved it. I especially like the part where uh, as they're making their... their Not underselling it this week. Boy, I'm going to push through. (laughs) As they're making their grand escape, when Ten says, you know, you should be feeling a little nervy about shooting me or because, you know, the part of the grand plan is what if I don't survive? (laughs) And throws himself off the bridge and I'm like... And then eleven, Flip the page. eleven, almost callously, but callously, but reassuringly says he'll be okay. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I was like, "What?" Because you can't, well, you can't, you can't argue with the logic. No, you, you know, can't. if he jumps off and, and dies, it's like, well, <laughs> this is different. You know? So yeah, I just. Um, I don't know. I look forward to seeing how it resolves. Yeah, I think maybe that's it. I think that's maybe that's just now, we're, now that we're near the climax. We're, well, and I had to go back and read the, the when when the Vord Doctor is giving the 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 oh, grand he's plan. The he's the Vord Doctor now. <laughs> when, when he's giving the grand plan and he's explaining how we got to this point, I had to go back and read it twice to make sure that I that really it understood it and that yeah. it works. That that was my 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 only issue with this is as I kept looking at this and he was telling what he was doing. I kept thinking the um, – what was the machine that they got from the Daleks? The continuity bomb or continuity yeah. machine was set up and, it's, and it showed the different splintering aspects of the Doctor's lives and what could have been and what, did, what you know, is in a different reality or continuity. And I kept thinking – but that's the point is that we know how it really went and we know how things really happened in the continuity that we're in. So how are you remembering all of these things – that didn't really happen, that happened in a, a, a different continuity or a different timeline. How are you remembering these kind of things? Because they came to this point from a different continuity. And it wasn't until he started the whole, you know, uh, the, the grandstanding about, <laughs> I have written my own creation. I thought, you know what? That does work. It does. Because <laughs> if he's the cause and effect for this... Then he would remember yeah. it because he's the one that created it. In the future, he created his own past, and so that's why. Yeah, it does sort of work. Now, where it won't work is in the next issue where they have to resolve this because we know what they will, and <laughs> it will unravel everything. And I'm wondering about a paradoxical event how they'll handle that situation. But for the all intents and purposes of how this is working now, it did when he got to yeah. the point where he said, "I've created my own story. I've created my own." Yeah. Uh, myself, I've created my creation, or I'm, I'm the creator of my own uh, story. And I thought, yeah, okay, that that little really works. drop worked for me. Yeah. I thought, okay, this is why you remember this because this was the setup for you to create all of this to happen. Yeah, and the fact that he was from the alternate timeline, anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I was, there was a part of me I think I was kind of hoping that Peter Cushing would have wound up being the bad guy after all that, but <laughs> he could have been the fourth Doctor from an alternate timeline. I hope uh, War Doctor shows back up again. Yeah. Maybe War Doctor will show back up to save the day, since we keep calling this the Four Doctors. Although, well, and he was working with the Vord initially, <laughs> yeah. and he's the one that crashed well, the 
Dalek ship on. And he they were him. they were very grateful of the fact that he was doing what he was doing. The Vord were anyway. So I kind of wondered if this, this final Vord that shot at Gabby was actually the War Doctor. Oh, damn it, Keith. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually... He's going to reveal himself in the next issue? Yeah. Darn you. And, and so Gabby didn't actually die. <laughs> Darn <laughs> you and your forward thinking. If he pulls off a mask and it's the war doctor, I'm going to be really mad now. <laughs> hey, it's no different than you saying River is <laughs> I guess Amy that's and true. At least this will be resolved in an issue and not in a whole At least we can figure this out next week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So In a couple of days, as a matter of fact. If you're following along, the final issue of the uh, Four Doctors event is next week, so make sure you go out and pick it up, and we'll be reviewing that, of course, on the cast. We will. Indeed. What else is coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule. Uh, obviously, the <laughs> Keith, Fifth Doctor. Keith took it over because I said it wrong last week. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you we can't, say you, it right. you can't be trusted. <laughs> uh, obviously, we'll be doing the fifth issue of Titan Comics, uh, The Four Doctors. We are also going to be, uh, for Friday Night Who watching Dark Water, Death in Heaven. So if you are one of the unlucky individuals who has to work or it's not coming to your town and you can't get to the big screen to go see it, well, it's okay. You can just queue it up. It's on Netflix. and uh, you It can, won't be in 3D. It won't be in 3D. Yeah. We can put our 3D glasses on and pretend. Because <laughs> <laughs> of a headache. Um, but uh, we'll be doing that. So uh, Friday at midnight on the 11th of September, Dark Water, Death in Heaven. And then... Uh, we will be reviewing for episode number 246, in addition to the Titan Comics, uh, the last two Eighth Doctor episodes of uh, his first season, Human Resources, Part 1 and 2, which is episode 7 and 8 of the uh, Big Finish Eighth Doctor Adventures. And that'll be the last Big Finish we get to do for a while, because obviously the week after that... <laughs> we'll be season straight, nine. straight yeah. into or it Series all. 9. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm still, uh, waiting to find out for sure the actual time of the next week's Friday night who, uh, which will not be at midnight. We will be doing the rescue with William Hartnell. No, that's next week. That's the week. Following. The following. Oh, that's the, the, following. the, the following. Not this Friday. Not this following. Friday, but the next. Yeah, gotcha. We're um, into the next Because that will now. be at TopCon, okay. uh, which, uh, again, if you're, uh, in the area or coming to Topeka, very much like to see you there. Um, but then we'll be, uh, obviously doing the Magician's Apprentice the following week for our reviews. And more schedule, uh, hopefully, will be posted uh, soon as the BBC gets us some uh, some episode titles. Yeah. Um, we will. Uh, we certainly should mention. Please continue to support us on Patreon. We do have sites on our website that also uh, you can lend your support to. I do want to mention that we are now an affiliate of Entertainment Earth. So if you have anything that you want to do, we've got a click-through link on our webpage. We are now an affiliate of Entertainment Earth, and if you buy products from Entertainment Earth. After clicking through our link, then some of those proceeds come back into this podcast as well. Cool. And they have cool stuff. They do yeah, have they cool really stuff. Do. And it's, uh, I've got us linked to the Doctor Who section. So, And a, a small note for Patreon subscribers that we've been promising you your gift baskets. <laughs> for months. For months. <laughs> I have finished the last piece of the gift basket. So they will go into production and go into the mail shortly. All right. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. All praise to the Great One. All praise to the Great One. All praise to the Great One. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. The moment approaches. What moment? 
The moment I have been waiting for. The moment of truth, if you will forgive the cliché. The moment of truth for us both. Do you know what you have to do? No. I think you do, my son. What is it you most fear? Is that fear I can feel in your mind? You are not accustomed to feeling frightened, are you, doctor? You are very wise to be afraid of me. None. Give me the crystal. What are you going to do? Take the crystal to the Great One. But you told me that if you went back there, the Cave of Crystal would destroy you. Nevertheless, I have to go. I've brought you the crystal. Now, why don't you just take it and leave the humans in peace? Both here and on Earth. You think I care for the puny plans of my subjects? Earth, one paltry planet among millions. Give me the crystal. I thirst for it. I ache for it. Well, why is it so important to you? You see this web of crystal above my head. It reproduces the pattern of my brain. One perfect crystal and it will be complete. That is the perfect crystal I need. And then? My every thought will resonate within the web and grow in power until, until, until... But you've built a positive <laughs> feedback circuit. You're trying to increase your mental powers to infinity. Exactly. I shall be the ruler of the entire universe. Now listen to me. <laughs> Listen, I haven't got much time left. What you're trying to do is impossible. If you complete that circuit, the energy will build up and up until it cannot be contained. You will destroy yourself. You waste the little time remaining to you. Even now the cave of crystal is destroying the cells of your body. I will grant you one last favor. You may watch the completion of my triumph before you die. Dr. Phil again with another installment of Adventures in Time, Space, and Music. In this segment, we'll be looking at the music of Doctor's composer Dudley Simpson, looking at his work on serial Triple Z, Story 74, Planet of Spiders, a six-part story which originally aired between the 4th of May and the 8th of June, 1974, on BBC One. 
about Planet of the Spiders. In the last and most dangerous adventure of the Pertwee years, what begins in an innocuous research into ESP turns into a deadly mind battle, with the terrifying spiders from the planet Metabilis III pitted against the Doctor, his friends, and Time Lord Kaon Po. At a Tibetan-style spiritual retreat deep in rural England, a clandestine circle of chanting brethren unknowingly calls upon the evil powers of the Metabilis spiders, whose quest for the perfect blue crystal leads them straight to the Doctor. He must travel to the alien planet to meet the Great One, merciless ruler over spiders and human slaves, who plans to take over Earth. The future of the entire universe is in the Doctor's hands, but if he is to face the fear the Great One sees in his mind, then he must face the certainty of total destruction. Could this be the Time Lord's final death? In Planet of the Spiders, producer Barry Letts was about to say farewell to Doctor Who with his lead actor John Pertwee and his script editor Terence Dix. Letts had a keen interest in Buddhist philosophy, and this played into his uncredited influence on the script by writer Robert Sloman. This was initially to be a very different story, as actor Roger Delgado, at the end of the production of Frontier in Space, was prepared to move on from the role of the master. The swan song story that would have meant to have ended series 11 would have defined the relationship to a much deeper level with Delgado's master and would have ended with the sacrifice to help him save the doctor. Robert Sloman had delivered some initial scripts entitled The Final Game, but this was cut short by Roger Delgado's untimely death in Turkey, leading to an entirely different story being devised, incorporating certain Buddhist principles. As Delgado's death had been a profound impact on actor John Pertwee, it has often been considered a significant factor in his decision to leave Doctor Who. Considering how closely knit the production team was, as much a family as the unit team, Kismet Delgado, Roger's widow, would go on to play the role of the Queen of the Spiders of Metabilis III. According to his autobiographical book, I Am the Doctor, Pertwee notes about having extreme back problems as his tenure in the role was drawing to a close, often having to wear a surgical brace. As his departure story, John was indulged with a number of vehicles to operate, including a chase scene featuring Bessie, the doctor's car known as the Whomobile, a vehicle we never see again in Doctor Who, a police car, a gyrocopter, a hovercraft, and a boat. Over. Yes, I 
Yes, he's getting away from you. Take the next right fork. You might cut him off. Out. Creating a great sense of continuity with the following story, Robot, filming on the two stories ran, at times, concurrently, meaning that at least in regards to production, that both John Pertwee and Tom Baker, appearing here uncredited, were filming the role at the same time. This also meant that cast members Nicholas Courtney, Elizabeth Sladen, and John Levine were rushing back and forth between productions of two simultaneous stories. While this story is a story of last, it's also a story of firsts. The term regeneration is used for the first time in Planet of the Spiders, and Kian Po Rinpoche is the first Time Lord, other than the Doctor, to be seen on screen regenerating. Planet of the Spiders is the first story since the Tenth Planet that the Doctor is seen regenerating on screen, something that would remain the norm for all of the following Doctors save for the Sixth and Eighth Doctors. Filming for Planet of the Spiders covered quite a number of locations, ranging from Tidmarsh Manor, Bloomfield Hatch Lane and Mortimer Station in Berkshire, Membury Airfield and Le Marchant Barracks in Wiltshire, River Severn, Westbury on Severn in Gloucestershire, as well as TC1, 6 and 8 at the BBC Television Centre, as well as Shepherd's Bush in London. Even with all of the exterior filming, the majority of the exterior shots for Metabilis 3 were all done with color separation overlay, CSO is known, or chroma key. On to the music in Planet of the Spiders. This story is not without its use of stock music. While the use of Deben Batra's Lama Chapra has been well documented, To Entertain has included information on further uses of stock music in Planet of the Spiders, specifically from Episode 1. During the opening theater sequences with the Doctor and the Brigadier, three pieces are used, written by P. Girard and published by Barry Music. These pieces, again stock music, were entitled Sneaky Chic, Front Row, and Hunted, the last being the entrance music for Professor Clegg. Regarding Dudley Simpson's original score to the serial of Planet of the Spiders, the amount of music in the story varies greatly. Simpson recorded the studio musicians at Lime Grove Studios, and according to the BBC's paperwork on the episode, Episode 1 had 4 minutes and 32 seconds worth of music, Episode 2, 10 minutes and 52 seconds, with an additional musical credit to special sound designer Dick Mills, at least in the paperwork. Episode 3 went on to have 5 minutes and 50 seconds worth of music, Episode 4, 4 minutes and 30, Episode 5, 3 minutes, and Episode 6, 3 minutes and 20 seconds worth of music, with the iconic ending also appearing in the opening of the following serial, Serial 4A, Story 75, Robot. Now, wait a moment. Look, Brigadier, look. I think it's starting. Well, here we go again. While a great deal of Simpson's score looks backward, with many moments reminiscing of a favorite score of mine, Frontier in Space, there is much in the score to Planet of the Spiders that's looking forward as well. While the instrumentation is almost identical to Robot regarding the mixture of acoustic and radiophonic elements, there are many similarities musically as well. In Planet of the Spiders, we have many of the stalwarts we associate later with classic Tom Baker-era Doctor Who scores, clarinet and bass clarinet, brass instruments such as trumpet and horn, as well as solo cello. 
As with the score to the following story, Robot, the synthetic elements are well married to the acoustic ones, and Dudley Simpson excels in creating a score that is mysterious while having a tinge of solemnity. One interesting element stands out in this Planet of the Spiders is the use of percussion. A South American gourd rattle was used to create the musical sting to represent the spiders in this story. This is mostly credited to session musician Tristan Fry, member of the percussion section of the London Symphony at the time, who was an in-demand session drummer and percussionist, and still is to this day. Drummer and percussionist Tristan Fry was involved in the performance of Simpson's score here. Having had an early career with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, he went on to be an important member of many ensembles, including Nash, Fires of London, and the London Sinfonietta. Currently, Tristan Fry is principal timpanist for Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, depending on many of their recordings and in live performance. As a drummer, Tristan Fry is one of the busiest session drummers at the time, and as the DVD's info text provides, he had performed with The Beatles, Elton John, Frank Sinatra, and Cliff Richard. Between the years of 1979 and 1995, Fry was a member of the crossover fusion group Sky, most famous for its early 1980s hit Takata. Returning to Dudley Simpson's score. Some of the harmonic language we've enjoyed from Simpson from the previous series is beginning to change a great deal here. There are sections that are, orchestrationally, predicting the bleak textures of series 12 stories such as Ark in Space and Genesis of the Daleks. Take a listen to this example here. Here, what are you doing? Ah! What happened, Sergeant? Somebody attack you? Yes, he's got that crystal of yours, Doctor. Come on. Other examples, specifically regarding the expansive melodies performed on synthesizers, are reminiscent of scores from as early as Series 8. Planet of the Spiders, just as Robot that follows it, is on the precipice of a large tonal shift in Doctor Who. As with story tone, the musical tone is already shifting towards what we would hear in the Hinchcliffe era, but minus the visual darkness and ominous storytelling that would follow in those future seasons. This is a score that's already looking to the future of Doctor Who, much more than Robot, which is seemingly more nostalgic to the previous unit era. As much as with the opening sequence seeming to be more of Tom Baker's era, there's a lot that's reminiscent of Series 18, as we have a hint of the era that is to come with a new title sequence then as well. While production teams change from time to time and story emphasis changes from era to era, it's amazing to see that while the Doctor changes his form ever so often, that Dudley Simpson, one of the most long-term figures in the show, remains one of the most overlooked and underappreciated musicians in Doctor Who, considering how often his style continues to regenerate. Hopefully, as we look back on the nearly 50-year history of Doctor Who, many more of us will continue to examine how much Simpson changes and that the complaints leveled at him by John Nathan Turner about the sameness of his musical style is demonstrated in Planet of the Spiders that he is a person who continues to reinvent and reinvigorate atmosphere, style, and music in Doctor Who.
Regarding the audio and DVD releases, as with many of Simpsons scores, master tapes do not exist of Planet of the Spiders from which a commercial audio release could be made, at least regarding the music. On the other hand, To Entertain offers up another exceptional restoration thanks to the Doctor Who restoration team. To Entertain released Planet of the Spiders on DVD in April of 2011 in the United Kingdom and later in May 2011 in the United States and Canada. The audio commentary for Planet of the Spiders includes the late Barry Letts, Nicholas Courtney, and Elizabeth Sladen, as well as Richard Franklin and script editor Terence Dix. While disc one includes the restored version of the story, the second disc includes many excellent extras as well as the unrestored Omnibus edition of Planet of the Spiders, and along with its trailer, the Omnibus edition runs a bit over 105 minutes. Among the value-added material, or VAM, the extras if you will, is the final curtain, a detailed look at John Pertwee's swan song, narrated by Glenn Allen, including interview material from actors John Pertwee and Richard Franklin, producer-director Barry Letts, script editor Terrence Dix, designer Rochelle Selwyn, visual effects assistant Matt Irvin, and revival series actor and author Mark Gatiss. Also included is John Kane Remembers, a nearly 13-minute retrospective by actor John Kane, who played the role of Tommy, whose character is reborn through the Metabilis Crystal. An ideal inclusion in this release is Directing Who, where producer Barry Letts has the chance to reminisce on his time directing various episodes of Doctor Who from numerous eras. Also included in this release is another installment of Now and Then, looking at the many locations from Planet of the Spiders. And as also with all of the recent releases from To Entertain, we have a great selection of PDF materials, a coming soon trailer, program subtitles, subtitle production notes, one of my favorite inclusions in the DVD range, and photo galleries. Ravaged by the radiation from the Metabilis crystals, the third Doctor collapses, leaving with some of the most dramatic and touching dialogue from his tenure in the role, making sure that while Planet of the Spiders is a flawed story, John Pertwee meets a heroic end as the Doctor, handing the reins to Tom Baker, who is sure to carry on Doctor Who as one of the great television institutions of our time, thanks to the popularity and strength of John Pertwee's third Doctor and his very compelling portrayal. in the time vortex. The TARDIS brought me home. Oh. Oh. oh, Doctor, why did you have to go back? I had to face my, my fear, Sarah. I had to face my fear. That was, was more important than just going on living. Please, don't die. A tear, Sarah Jane? No, no don't cry. While there's life, there's...
it's all right. He is not dead. Oh, no. I don't think I can take much more. I'm sorry to have startled you, my dear. The doctor is alive. No, you're wrong. He's dead. All the cells of his body have been devastated by the Metabilis crystals, but you forget. He is a Time Lord. I will give the process a little push and the cells will regenerate. He will become a new man. Literally? Of course, he will look quite different. Not again. And it will shake up the brain cells a little. You may find his behavior somewhat erratic. Well, when will all this happen? Well, there's no time like the present, is there? Goodbye. Look after him. Now, wait a moment. Look, Brigadier, look. I think it's starting. Well, here we go again. <laughs>